and welcome to uh, the next podcast in our series of podcasts. Today we're going to be discussing code governance. My name's Ed Reed, uh, Associate Director of Training here at Cornwall Insight, and I'm joined by Adam Borman and Tom Edwards. Gents. Good morning, my name's Tom Edwards, uh, and I'm a Senior Modeler at Cornwall Insight, specialising in balancing assessment code, uh, things like grid code and modelling generation and demand. And just to confuse you, good afternoon. I'm Adam Borman. I'm a consultant at Cornwall Insight. I specialise in the regulatory side of things, so licensing, code governance in general, contents of the code, and what that means for parties in the market. Okay, so we say we're going to talk about codes today. Um, just for those that perhaps aren't neck deep in this stuff, um, what do we mean by the codes, and why is there all this excitement at the moment with with the code fundamentally the codes are the legal framework that underpin the what we think of as the energy market so there's the electricity act which creates the led to the privatization created licensing off gem and all that stuff and when you join the energy market you get a license and the license doesn't have all the detailed rules in it uh, for things like how do you balance how do you go meter how do you connect to the system how do you do all the engineering yeah and so all of that is in a level down, and that level is the code framework. So this is where you might have heard of the connection use of system code, the balancing and settlement code, the uniform network code for gas. We're going down to the other end, smart energy code, retail energy code, master registration agreement, things the, like that. The really detailed ones like the grid code or the distribution code. Yeah. So basically, these are the rule books that tell how the engineering and the markets marry up and work in the real world on an ongoing basis who pays what and who has to do what when why and how yeah and that paying bit is probably fundamental because when you get down to it probably about 90 95 of the costs in the industry somehow flow out of or are related to what's contained within the code so they cover everything so i mean we've seen off and bays obviously leading a large work stream on this they kicked it off back in november basically looking at the fundamentals of the code saying that while as tom says these exist and are the basis of the market that they've been around now for what in their current couple of decades almost yeah Yeah. back to to the start of the new electricity trading arrangements we have an entirely different market from what it was back then we've got all these new people coming in shouldn't we maybe have a look at these see if we can make them simpler more flexible get get all that you know smart flexible systems we're looking for it's not the first time that this has been on the radar as well so the cma when they did their competition markets authority when they did their investigation into the energy market in 2015-2016, their conclusion, well, uh, one of their conclusions was that the code governance framework was not fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, and they were saying that there could be more cross-code coordination and it's worth looking into um, in a world of changing yeah. uh, changing electricity and gas system, are the codes effectively holding back that innovation? So what's happening at the moment then is you're saying, is it as much around... Uh, the industry and, and actors within the industry looking at how those codes, those rule books are changed, or is it more fundamental than that and actually looking at are the rule books themselves needing a refresh? If we said both, would that be being flippant? It is, are they fit for purpose? Is the current code structure right? Should they be put in the same brackets we've put them in since we had six large parties doing everything up and down? Is the way that they're changed working? Is the way that people engage with them worked? And is the way in which we actually manage and oversee them fit for purpose as well? So it is really everything. Now, of course, we're not doing this podcast just for the love of codes. Although well, I'm, sure you I'm guys pretty would. sure we would. I'm sure but... you guys would. <laughs> now, um, there's also, we have a slight ulterior motive, as I think you guys have just finished off a rather large piece of work on uh, this topic. 
So uh, that's correct. We've just, uh, I think it's recently been published a paper uh, on the Alexon website. So Alexon is the code administrator for the Balancing Assessment Code. And uh, this paper was commissioned to look at um, how does code consolidation factor into this process of change and reform? So looking at um, what are the opportunities for code consolidation? And when we talk about consolidation, it also includes simplification because there's a lot of redundant parts uh, in, in codes. So or, uh, there are bits in there that we found that have no purpose anymore. We're all about transitioning. I was going to say there's still ones for transitioning from um, Paul to Nita. So, I mean, those are only, what, 18 years out of date now? It's fine. Yeah. And the, the purpose was to show how do codes fit together? What functions do they perform? And given the current structures that there there are and, the, and what they actually do, how would it be possible to mix them together different parts in different ways so looking at either could you aggregate gas and electricity together or could you aggregate networks and wholesale elements of the codes together or could we have one big single uniform code that includes all parts of the market um what a personal favorite could we have a multi-framework agreement where you have one overarching like body of generic text and then individual arms for different functions or as we like to call it the jellyfish code the jellyfish. Can I come back to the jellyfish code in a moment? <laughs> just like to make sure I can unpack all of that. So effectively what we were commissioned to do was take a good look at all of the existing codes out there at the moment, of which there are, Evan. off the top of my head, 10, 11. 11, thank you, Adam. Uh, which runs more than a couple of pages in total, 10,000 plus pages. I, 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 I must admit I have read some of them cover to cover, but not all of them. Grid code, one of my favourites as well, Tom. Um, let's never speak of the grid code again. Okay, let's move on. So the idea was then that that uh, you, you basically had to go through all of those codes. Um, you really were in the wrong place in the office when that landed, weren't you? <laughs> and then try and map across effectively what those within each code, what the, what they were trying to do, what the different parts were trying to do, and then sort of take an appraisal in that what. How could you reorder those? Yeah. Um, what maybe could be simplified, dropped, or was no longer relevant? So that's sort of an appraisal of what's existing yep. in the codes. Right. And then what? So, I mean... So we then developed a framework for how do you look at that. So we categorised all of those elements, and that allowed us to create... Um, a kind of simplified view of those codes that we could say, okay, this part of the code is for dealing with this issue. That, so, for example, accession yeah, or exit. Or, I don't know what the other ones, cost recovery or engineering, things like that. And then you could line those up and see where there was commonality across the different codes. And I think that's one of the things which we actually did find out was that there is a lot of common functionality between the different ones, particularly around the generic things of accession, governance, panel membership, things like that. There are some things all codes do. So how do you enter the code? Because these are legal frameworks for bilateral relationships between parties in the electricity market. So there are things, and gas markets, there are things that all of these codes do um, and that theoretically in a simplification or consolidation process, you could merge together. Yeah, and I think that's worth picking out that there is scope for both consolidation and simplification, but you really want to do consolidation first in our mind. There's no point in looking at what you can cut, what you can simplify, until you've figured out how you're smushing the codes together into a simpler form for it, and that is a technical word. So the smushing, the smushing, Mr. Warman. Um, I think I've got my head around that. Then you've, you've, you've cut, the, cut the codes into different discrete areas uh, and some logic behind that. Then how, you know, how many options did you 
put forward to Alexon? You know, was there any ones that you immediately rejected? So, I mean, we looked at a number of different ones and I'm not going to re-go over them because Tom mentioned most of them before for it. But yeah, it was basically, do you go for a single large code? Do you go for the jellyfish? Do you go for different fuel codes? Things like that. There were none which we rejected immediately. And I think one of the core things that came out of the project was that basically any of the different models we looked at are better than the current situation for it in terms of what you're looking to achieve for accessibility, clarity, flexibility, and um, getting the right expertise to be used for it. I think one of the other really exciting things that we found really exciting, and so therefore we're going to make you all find really exciting, was the idea of maybe a modular approach to code governance as well. So a lot of the discussions you have right now are about, oh, well, this relates to networks, or this relates to electricity, or this relates to gas. It's actually better to think about what they relate to or what chunks of the code relate to in terms of functionality. So if you want to look at cost recovery, you need a section which is on, you know, how do you actually do charging, but how do you do credit cover? How do you do default? Things like that. So there's a core set of functions that fit around these different activities. And therefore, if you bring them together, you can actually try and slot those around to make different structures work for it. So I think that's something we got quite excited about. Okay, so so you, you've... You previously actually asserted that the work you've done and the, the kind of looking at the codes and reorganizing them in different fashions through modular approach um, is better than the existing baseline. But but why? Why have you come up with that? So in all of the approaches we've looked at, we saw that there were benefits above and beyond the current fragmented landscape. So the benefits around moving away from fragmentation to consolidation are that you improve the accessibility for parties entering the market. There's less to engage with. Right now, it's very difficult to find out where something sits as well. If you're a new party to the industry and you want to know why you have to put this particular meter on or whatever, you probably have to go through digging through three different codes to find the actual requirement if, if where it sits. If you want to be a generator, there's three different routes of agreement you've got yeah. to go through depending on exactly where you are connected into the system. And having a simpler route into the, into the energy market uh, is a benefit to to those looking to enter. There's clarity as well. So where do I want to look? It reduces the amount of time you have to spend as a company monitoring different uh, parties and forums. I mean, the governance and the alignment between them as well is one of the big ones for it. I mean, right now, as you say, there's 11 different codes for it. And we've seen from things like P272 back in the day that getting alignment for changes between different codes can be a real problem, can slow things down, make things more complicated, bring different objectives and you know desires into it so limiting that and having a much more aligned overseen approach to it is also much better so the p72 again for the uninitiated was a good example of how the current structure had failings whereby somebody raised a change to the balancing and settlement code to basically take data from smarter meters and then realized as an industry belatedly we realized you then had to change the dacuza distribution connection user system or agreement for network charging at the distribution level. And then at the 12th hour, about 5-2-12, wasn't it? <laughs> we also realised we had to change the CUSC, the connection user system code, because you had to change the transmission charging arrangements and introduced more changes to the balancing and settlement code to give effect to all of that. Yeah, yeah and which that... led to a delay of, what, 12, 18 months? Yeah, and as a result of that, that the, you have the code administrators, code of practice and change and sharing forums that have ever come up but if you could have that expertise when 
in inside one structure when someone comes along and says i have an idea for a code change and the one person and the one uh, institution can go okay well we'll give we've got all of our teams we can get them down in the room in the same room sit down together hash out what needs to be done here here's the, what you need to do if that changes and what you want to then make. we'll pass it on to the experts to actually go and do it and make sure it delivers something which is beneficial to the industry. So I mean, you already mentioned though, there is there is sort of cross-code working at the moment, but, but are you saying it, it's it's sort of an, on an informal It's on basis? informal, and I suppose, without insulting anyone, there's different levels of funding, knowledge, approaches between the different codes, and somehow times getting those lined up, getting those all to work together and all to have the same outcomes can be problematic, whereas if you took a step back, reformed the industry codes into a structure that looks to deliver this from the get-go, that should be a much more effective way of bringing it forwards. And is there anything else on the the governance arrangements, the actual change process that you sort of occurred to you as you were doing this this work? Yeah, we did find in our assessment of the benefits of these changes, uh, we believe that the code governance and management structure could have an impact on so in in the cases where we identified either little benefit or no benefit of of changing mm-hmm. improving the way that the code management or governance so if it was under one body um with the with the central oversight that could actually improve some of the benefits depending on which uh, what we were looking at. So I think um, having more coordination and supportive co- code managers, while not specifically what we were asked to look at, could improve the benefits of consolidation. So if you have consolidation, you also need to think about at the same time, who is the management? What is the government structure? And what is the best route for that? Is it um, is it where you've got National Grid as the ESO also being the the code manager. Do you give it to Ofchem as the regulator? Do you create a whole new body? Where where are the experts positioned? How, and I guess in this process of consolidation, this wasn't what we were asked to look at, but you would have to think about how do you get the right experts in the room? They're they're dispersed across 11 different bodies. If you were to consolidate it into two, three, or even one, how do we all get them in the same place? Um, Cool. I mean... Structures as well, yes. Pro- for profit, not for profit. Um, How is it funded? Who yeah. owns it? Things like that. And I mean, on a slightly less detailed point, I suppose the other important ones are to make sure that if we are going to all of this effort to redesign the codes, that we make sure we future proof them. Mm. So you don't want to design a code structure which suits today's market when you recognise that things are going to change. We're going to need to have something in there for heat in a few years' time if we get heat regulation to come in. What about electric vehicles, storage? How are all those things going to feed in? And as Tom said, it's important not to lose anything which is already good about the code. So you don't want any backward steps. We've already made dual fuel codes for the SEC and the REC. Don't want to then split those up and lose that consolidation. So making sure we keep the good things and then make sure that we're future-proofed for going forwards as well. And in terms of going forwards, innovation is one of the things that... um, that the government is very keen on and, ha- and they don't want there to be any blockers on, on routes to innovation. So things like sandboxes where, so for example, Alexon uh, tried to introduce a sandbox approach where you could go forward and say, we think these rules need to change in order for our new innovative business model. Give us a derogation for a little bit. We'll go and test it out and then make a change to the whole market afterwards once we've actually gone and tested that. So this would be a good place to uh, keep sandboxes where we have them and expand the role of them Definitely. where we don't and again that's probably easier if you've got fewer codes which you can then spread those out over and align more easily objectives would be another place to look oh, at god yeah objectives are going to need to both be aligned and set for the future i mean we've seen all the discussions but 
do you want ones in there explicitly about you know decarbonisation, about positive consumer outcomes? That was one we kicked around as well. Yeah, there's, there's already so the the objectives are mostly around the efficient operation of the code, the network, and compliance with legal requirements, with legal requirements and the I think the other one is comp- competition to improve yeah. competition. There aren't objectives in the code to reduce carbon emissions or to make sure that just whether this is good for competition or not, will it lead to a better consumer outcome, yeah. for example? So could you put those duties in there, uh, in, into the code? It, um, and of course, we now got government's plan. Uh, they've issued their consultation recently. Which thankfully does align with quite a lot of what we've been saying yeah. here. They do look at consolidation and simplification for it. They do talk a lot about the governance arrangements, who should be doing it, and how do you hold those parties to account? How do you make sure that the decisions actually do align for what we want it to do? And specifically, they've got a new role in the uh, in their in their proposed structure, which would be for a kind of strategic oversight yeah. body. So it's likely, I think, that would be basically government, and basically. where the policy objectives uh, are set by government, it would be the strategic body to role to make sure that the codes align with those policy objectives. So there would be another layer of governance. Either we, I think, their plan is either you stick with the eleven codes, but they all are subservient to this one strategic director, or you bring in all the codes into one body underneath the strategic direction. Yeah, they do talk about consolidating into various different models as well. And some of those are the ones which we looked at in the report. Some of the ones we looked at aren't there. And I think personally, if I had a view, it would be worth expanding the list of what they're looking at at this early stage, just to make sure at least you've ticked them off so that later people can't raise it at the 11th hour, as Ed says, and say, what about this? Did you think about it? But I think overall, it's a fairly sensible looking consultation going forwards for it. I mean, I think it depends on uh, we currently have very different funding structures and um, governance arrangements for those codes. And some of them are funded basically on a, it costs this much to do it, so that's how much we recover. And some of them are for profit. And they also do, um, and they have different levels of, what's the word, ability and service. So the ones that don't really care so much about cost are the ones that are rated highest in service. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whereas the other ones don't cost as much and is important for keeping bills down. Yeah. And I think if government wants there to be a strategic policy objective, they've got to prop- be honest and upfront about how much that is going to cost. Although, to be fair, those costs will be minuscule compared to the other costs compared to the, that compared swirl to the around costs. the industry. But yeah. I do agree. Yeah, I think that if you're going to have this strategic oversight body, it has to be properly funded, especially given that basically all of the labour in the code governance, not all of it, a significant proportion of the labour in the code governance arrangements is done for free by volunteers who come into industry work groups and provide their expertise. What we have seen is that that's not working so much anymore with the new arrangements. New smaller people can't afford to, they don't have the flexibility it's probably not a sustainable approach going forward. This is going to be a very, very long project. Anyone who's been involved in big energy industry changes knows they don't move quickly. It's going to run for years and years. We're going to keep getting very excited about it, but we're not expecting any changes soon. Excellent. Okay, thanks, gents. Um, Good discussions there. So what we've covered over off there then is that um, I think what I can recall, this is the first time in 20 years that actually there's been a serious, harsh good look at the codes themselves. There's a lot of work being done on code governance itself, but this is the first time uh, that the industry is really geared up uh, to look across uh, all of the codes and ask the question, is it fit for purpose? So um, 
obviously from what you said there, the, the great piece of work uh, from Alexon, which uh, can be found on the website, and uh, there'll be a link available on the uh, our website as well to that. Um, so I think for me, then, there's nothing else to say except thanks uh, for the discussions, gents, and just to make our listeners aware, we... Uh, have a selection of podcasts available. We did one recently actually on the uh, Smart Energy Code, so the specifics of that one. Uh, Tom's done one recently on storage uh, revenues, uh, our bench uh, benchmark power curve service as well, and I believe our next one will be on electric vehicles, which will be available uh, on our website in uh, due course. Thank you. Thank you.